Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Kat Gaines, and you can find me on Twitter at strawberryfield using the number one for the letter I. Alrighty, hi folks, welcome back. So today we are with Iris Carrera, who's a senior site reliability engineer at Dutchie. And Iris, if you wanna just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Iris, senior site reliability engineer at Dutchie. I've been uh, working in DevOps infrastructure, site reliability space uh, for over five years. And I'm based out of Seattle. Awesome. I love Seattle. Um, I was there just a couple of months ago. It was one of the only trips I've taken during the pandemic and definitely the right choice. Nice. Good to hear. Today, folks, we're going to talk a little bit about being new to incident command. And that's, you know, I think it's kind of a daunting thing when you're first getting into it. Iris, I bet you'd agree. You don't just mm-hmm. kind of show up one day knowing all of the things, what to do, who to talk to, how to kind of direct people. And it's really high stakes when you're doing incident command. If something happens, you are dealing with things that might have executive customer eyes. Kind of everyone is looking to you to be a source of authority. But I'm going to back up just a little bit and get us started just for anyone who, for the uninitiated, talking about what incident command is and what that means. So for anyone who really wants to do a deep, deep dive, PagerDuty has docs detailing all of the pieces of incident response at response.pagerduty.com. We go into depth about all the different roles, including incident commander. So if you want to go read for quite a while, you can do that. Uh, But for the short version for our purposes today, the incident commander, which we'll also often refer to in shorthand as the IC, is the person who is responsible for directing traffic, basically, when there's an incident, when something is not going to plan, when multiple teams have to quickly be kind of mobilized and pulled together just to set things right again. Maybe some outward-facing communication needs to happen. Definitely some inward communication needs to happen, and folks need to work together to get things back on track. Everyone has to start somewhere. As I mentioned earlier, you don't just show up one day knowing how to do the thing perfectly. And sometimes your first experience as an IC can be a little bumpy or a little bit more intense than you anticipated. And Iris, I think you have some experience with that. So tell us about your first week and a little bit how things went down. Yes. Just a little background. I started at Dutchie in October, and then I joined the incident command rotation. And so my first week on call as incident command, there was major AWS outage. And the second day I was um, incident command. So that was, that was a very exciting day. And there's also cascading effects on other third-party providers who use AWS. So if you're using third-party providers that relied on AWS, uh, those were probably broken um, as well. So, you know, I do all the the prep I can with all documentations and knowing what tools I need to use and how to use those tools. Uh, But there's nothing like getting thrown into it and uh, especially for a big bad. Yeah, nothing like trial by fire, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally, where every most things are on fire for a lot of people and a lot, a lot of the internet too. Um, apart from the company I worked at. Yeah, 
So kind of just talk us through in that moment when you realized, okay, my first week as an incident commander and something really big is going down and happening. And like you said, you'd done prep, you'd done everything you could to be ready for the moment. But how did you really jump in when things went down? And how did you maybe get support from your peers? Or what did that look like? So part of it is like someone um, on a software team uh, page like, hey, there's a problem with this particular service. I joined on as incident command. And um, so there's some subject matter experts in the room and then going over the issue and then trying to see what the cause of the issue was. Since we were already aware of ongoing um, AWS outage, we thought that might be a problem for at least some services. And that was the case. And so for me, it's keeping, I had to keep internal stakeholders and external stakeholders up to date. So updating status pages, um, updating critical internal comms with uh, what's going on, uh, what services are impacted, how customers are impacted, and, um, and things like that. And outages are really unfortunate, but they're also perhaps that type of outage is maybe a good first outage or incident for a new incident commander because it's really just hurry up and wait. You can't really do much other than monitor and see when things come back and keep folks up to date, keep customers up to date, keep um, internal stakeholders up to date. So even though it's very stressful, a lot of things are broken. In regards of directing people, I didn't have to do too much of that. I've done more of that in um, incidents after that rotation or that particular day, but good trial by fire in the end. And yeah, my coworkers, uh, my other three coworkers are supportive and seeing if I you know, need anything and, and things like that. Um, so I feel like it's a lot of good team effort overall. And that's just how it goes too. You need, need to have team effort to resolve any incident. I think it's interesting what you're saying about it. it's about as laid back as an incident can be when it's not something you can actively work on with your team, right? But you have to just kind of hang around and wait. I think I remember mm-hmm. a couple internet-wide <laughs> issues from years past where we'd experienced similar things and it was just kind of like, all right, let's just wait around and see what happens, but everybody's available to make sure that it is resolved when it is and we know when things are back up and running. Right. And that was interesting. You know, you mentioned that you have had a couple since then. And I'm curious about how you feel like that one prepared you for those, especially if maybe were they on the other side of things where you did have more of an active role to do or what did that look like? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, kind of cutting my teeth on a major third party infrastructure outage um, just got me into the process these are the things I need to do. These are the pages I need to update or the, the Slack channels I need to keep folks up to date uh, with. These are the type of questions I need to ask and type of answers I need or um, that stakeholders want. Uh, what is customer impact and things like that and just trying to get to a, a resolution as quickly as possible so we can close the incident as quickly as possible. So I think it helped me like smooth out the process. So just kind of the more boring parts of it, I could I could do better. Like, okay, I need to open this this piece of software, type something in there, and then type something else in in, in a different document. And so those pieces of it, um, I was able to smooth out and 
um, so I could be more present in the other parts of incident command. It's more of like conversation and helping guide folks towards a resolution and keeping conversations on track and stuff like that. That makes sense. It sounds like you're juggling a lot when you're working as an incident commander. And it's a lot of kind of different moving pieces to make sure that are all flowing. And it sounds like every organization does this differently. It sounds like you're responsible for kind of internal comms. Adachi, are you responsible for external comms too as an incident commander or someone handling that piece? Yes. So um, in the past, I've, as just like a regular subject matter expert, I've been in on-call rotations where there's you know, someone who's a s- scribe specifically, right? Who their mm-hmm. um, job is to like record um, or keep folks up to date internally. But as it stands, incident, uh, the, the current company I'm at and the role we are doing, keeping folks updated, doing a lot of things. At least we're, we don't have to be the subject matter expert. So that's great. Uh, we just focus on keeping things moving. Uh, working towards a resolution, letting the subject matter experts shine and uh, do their thing. Yeah. So you have incident commander, you have subject matter experts. Do you have other roles in your process right now? None is. That's pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much it at the moment. Um, it's also a process that's evolving. I think at um, my company, and yeah, it's going pretty well. Folks are are picking it up and. You know, getting the process down to as as subject matter experts. Yeah, cool. So, I think that something else that I see sometimes is that you might have folks who are interested in being part of incident response roles or incident command, and they're not sure if they can get involved, if they want to get involved. What would kind of be your advice to those folks, maybe even just company agnostic, you know, just in terms of if you want to get involved, what are the steps one usually takes to try and get trained up or be somebody who can get on rotation and kind of help hold some of that responsibility? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think first, just um, on-call experience as a subject matter expert, you need to be able to empathize with the subject matter experts in order to be able to attempt to lead folks. Those are skills you build as as someone who is on-call as a subject matter expert. That's my opinion. Perhaps folks might have different opinions. Um, That was the case for me, at least, and that's how I feel about it. Having on-call experience prior to being incident command, because uh, you have to know about the things you're, you know, you're leading, right? And building good relationships with engineers across your organization can be helpful. That might be helpful, like during while you're incident command. That's like something you need to be able to do. Um, have good rapport with folks. Yeah, being able to be a good communicator in times of crisis is an important skill to have. Trying to think of ways folks build that. I Let's see, for me, I played rugby for a long time and I played the position, it was um, scrum half, which is kind of like football quarterback. So it's like a directive, you're calling plays. So that's kind of some area that I draw a correlation from being able to to have those skills. Like I've honed those skills in a, in a different area in my life. Um, so... That said, if there are other areas outside of software where you feel like you can hone those skills, um, they're totally applicable because it's all people at the end of the day. Yeah, 
You know, I think that's really important because I think that people do tend to, when they're psyching themselves out about what do I want to do, or is there a way that I can sign up to do this thing that I'm excited about? Often you'll disqualify yourself and say like, you know, I don't have in-depth knowledge about that subject, or I'm not a subject matter expert on all of the things, so I couldn't possibly do it. But what you're talking about is the human side of incident command too, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. The empathy side, the relationship building, like you said, the communication skills. And exactly as you're saying, that can come from so many different places Mm -hmm. in your life that when you realize you can pull from those experiences, that is so valuable and it can really help in the moment, right? Definitely. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I feel like site reliability, engineering and incident command, it's it's people, it's relationships, it's psychological safety during an incident, letting the subject matter experts do what they do best. Yeah. You don't have to like know the product in depth that you're running uh, the the incident for, but you have to be able to ask the right questions and just make sure things stay on track and make tough decisions when needed. That's part of the, the job as well. Yeah, it's like you were saying earlier, allowing that room for the subject matter experts to shine. And a Mm -hmm. lot of that is about asking those correct questions and building that psychological safety too, so that if someone needs to bring up something that they think needs to be done or that needs to be considered as part of the incident response, it's it's an okay place for them to do so. They're not doing the same thing and disqualifying their own knowledge, even if they have something really valuable to add, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah. Something I'm curious uh, about is, is there a a myth or common misconception about incident response that you want to kind of debunk and tell people to just set that aside because it's not true? Sure. Kind of on the vein of um, some things we've been discussing so far, uh, you do not need to be the subject matter expert of the systems you're leading incident response for. And again, too, as someone in a leadership role, the job of leaders is to let people do what they do best as uninhibited as possible and then just just making sure folks stay on track. You're not really like throwing your weight around and, you know, be like, I'm the boss, I'm in charge and what I say goes. So uh, sometimes you have to be very firm about decisions when there's um, disagreements, right? It's stressful. Um, and yeah, just try to stay calm. And yeah, so mostly things about like leadership and you don't have to be subject matter expert. Yeah, that makes sense. You have to be the person who is the calm, even if everyone else is feeling a little off kilter. Mm -hmm. And then you can go back later and go, oh my God, that was insane. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you could, yeah, vent, vent to somebody else, you know, not, not in the moment. You know, we're all, we're all human. We all have wide range of emotions. Having um, maybe like confidant or something you can vent to is also helpful. Yeah. Or just a team vent sesh sometimes. Yes. I found those helpful sometimes after major incidents where everyone mm-hmm. just goes, okay, that was insane. Um, <laughs> let's just talk yeah. about it for a moment and then move on. In our last few minutes here, two things that we ask every guest on the show. So one thing that I would love to ask you is what's something that you wish you would have known sooner when it comes to incident command and especially in the topic of being new to it, whether it's new completely or at a new organization? Yeah, it is challenging. However, it is less challenging than I expected because I don't have to be the subject matter expert. 
yeah, I'm just like guiding folks and getting info uh, mostly to the right place and uh, yeah, making decisions like tiebreakers or whatnot. But I, th- I feel like it's easier than being a subject matter expert because I don't have to do the bug fix or, you know, things like that yeah. <laughs> under pressure. So yeah, that can help with the mental hurdle too, right? Knowing that mm-hmm. it's, it's less challenging than you think it's going to be. Yeah. And then the second one I'd like to ask is, is there anything about being new to incident commander, being an incident commander that either I'll put this two ways, either that you're glad we didn't ask about or that we didn't ask about and we really should talk about? Yeah, uh, I guess something that would be good to talk about um, or a question is like around like decompressing after being on call or taking breaks. Yeah. So sometimes there's a long running incident and you need to go eat lunch and you know you've been on that phone phone call for hours and you have other people you can tap on you know your person not a superhero you can ask for help when you need it to and um rest is important yeah it's so important i think that we all try to be the hero right but if you are completely burnt out or exhausted you're not going to be helping anybody and mm-hmm. That's why we have teams around us so that we have people who can take the next shift, who we can pass it off to and give them enough context to understand what's going on and go have that time. Like you're saying, to eat lunch, to just be a person, to, if it's an especially long running one, just to get a break from the screen for a while if you need to, because those can be beasts Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're still able to bring the best version of you to what's going on. Because if you can't, it's going to be 10 times worse than if you just weren't there. Absolutely. T- agreed 110%. Yeah. I've had folks, um, you know, I've been like, hey, this is going on for a long time. I just need, I need to step away for half an hour and, you know, have my coworkers cover me. And, and that makes a world of a difference. I, if I didn't get a break, I don't think I could have made the right types of decisions I needed to um, yeah. as incident commander. So important to have a team around you. Yeah. And again, it can be high stakes. So mm-hmm. if you are exhausted or burnt out and you're making mistakes, it's going to be maybe more visible than when you're doing something in your day-to-day work. And I think that's something that we all need to remind ourselves of is that it, it's okay to take the time to be yourself, especially when the consequences of not doing so could be a lot bigger than they are on any mm-hmm. other day. Okay, very, very last question. And just before we let you go, Iris, it's been really fun having you on the show and chatting. Is there anything that you want to plug anything that folks should go check out after the show? Duchy is hiring engineers and other roles. So check them out if you're interested in working in the cannabis tech space. Um, It's a great company to work for. Check them out. (laughs) We will drop a link in the show notes so that people who want to go check that out can have an easy way to go find it. Thanks again, Iris. Thanks for chatting with us today. Thank you as well. This was fun. Thanks all. So this is Kat Gaines signing off and wishing you an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Page It to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making the podcast possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcatcher if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittothelimit.com, and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number two. 
Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days. Hey!